1: Get paid for your pet Get paid for your pet Get paid for your pet Don't wait for the day after check-in to get paid Visit payfully.co to learn how to get paid months in advance for your upcoming bookings on Airbnb, VRBO and other platforms That's payfully.co
0: this week in the world of Airbnb, welcome, everybody. I'm here with Mr. Glenn Carter, the head of marketing of Hostly. Glenn, welcome.
2: Hey, Jasper. How are you doing? How's Panama?
0: It's warm. It's very warm. <laughs> I'm about to go on a little adventure in the next couple of weeks, renting a car and driving through the whole country. I've never been outside of the city here. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to do some kite surfing and uh, hopefully see some uh, exotic animals as well in the jungle
2: cool so you're gonna you're renting a car and driving through the entire country or different
0: countries that's that's the plan
2: that's 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 the plan
0: i don't know if you can take a rental car to another country i tried it once in mexico i tried to drive into belize but then they stopped me they said it wasn't allowed
2: (laughs) all right well yeah maybe stay in country so you don't get arrested
0: (laughs) yeah that sounds like a good plan
2: well there's quite a sorry what Oh no! I was just gonna say I'm warming up myself. We took a trip down to Florida from Ottawa, Canada, so we're we're escaping the winter and uh, enjoying the, the nice white sandy beaches here in uh, in Destin.
0: That's a very wise decision. I was in uh, France a couple of weeks ago skiing, and it was like minus 20, and then I flew directly to Panama and I went from minus 20 to like plus 30. So that was a nice uh, nice <laughs> little temperature shock.
2: Yeah, you need it sometimes, especially this time of year.
0: I, I definitely prefer the heat over the cold i've came to that conclusion many times actually
2: (laughs) even the extreme heat of plus 30
0: when it's really hot you can still go outside, and you're in the air conditioning it's okay i guess you can do that too if it's cold you can go outside, and it's warm but still like i enjoy being outside the heat doesn't bother me so much outside it only bothers me at night when i go to sleep but then there's always you know the air conditioning
2: yeah i guess if you're kite surfing need the heat anyway we we tend to hibernate in canada during the winter so (laughs) that's our solution to that problem yeah i tried kite surfing in
0: holland too when in april when the water was still really cold and that wasn't very pleasant either (laughs) like my feet were freezing (laughs) i couldn't move my fingers i literally couldn't move my toes until like about half an hour after i quit what was the temperature i don't know it was cold (laughs) (laughs)
2: lesson learned then
0: lesson learned let's talk airbnb let's start with something fun 10 facts about Airbnb that you wouldn't otherwise know. Well, I don't know if that's true. I definitely knew some of the facts. It's always fun to, to look at some facts and see how everything is going in terms of numbers. Let's see. Let's, let's just pick the interesting ones. There's more than 4.5 billion Airbnb listings right now in 81,000 cities around the world. Airbnb hosts have earned $41 billion in 10 years. In 2017, the biggest night was when approximately 3 million people stayed on Airbnbs around in 20,000 cities around the world. Oh, yeah. In 2008, roughly 400 guests checked into Airbnb listings. So that was the year that they started. Now, 400 guests check into Airbnb listings every two minutes. So that's what changed in the scope of 10 years.
2: I like the total number that Airbnb hosts have earned, the $41 billion over the last 10 years. is very interesting to me. Another one, too, is, uh, you know, amidst this backdrop of the ongoing debate about whether Airbnb is good for communities, you know, one of the facts here is that Airbnb guests spent $6.5 billion in restaurants in 44 cities between September 2016 and September 2017. So in just one year, Airbnb guests brought in that kind of money into just these 44 cities Whether those guests would have stayed in a hotel, a lot of them probably would have and still spent the money. But it just goes to show that the tourism industry is now heavily reliant on short-term rentals.
0: Yeah, and I guess if you stay in a hotel, you're probably going to spend the money in different restaurants, right? A lot of hotels have restaurants on the property, Mm on-site. And also the hotels are typically... They're usually concentrated in, in a few neighborhoods, right? A few central neighborhoods, whereas the airbnbs are more spread out throughout the whole city. So I'm I'm thinking that, uh, yeah, of course, if you stay in a hotel, you still need to eat. But then at the same time, you know, you're know, you probably going to spend your money in the more well-known restaurants, the, the hotel restaurants, etc. So I think for the small restaurants in the residential neighborhoods, it's probably a good thing.
2: Yeah, for the smaller mom-and-pop restaurants, absolutely. I think that's completely correct. Another one that I liked is... It said in 2009, 57% of Airbnb guests were from the U.S. Eight years later, you know, in 2017, only 29% of those guests were from the U.S. So that really goes to show that Airbnb's international expansions have been successful. That's not not necessarily a U.S.-centric platform anymore. I mean, less than a third now are, are U.S. I found that very interesting, and it shows that their their expansion efforts have been wildly successful.
0: Yeah, and also most of the Biggest Airbnb markets are not even in the US. I remember making a list of the top ten Airbnb markets. I think one was Paris. I think London was in there. I think there was only two American cities actually. I think it was New York and Los Angeles that were in the top ten. So definitely, that also shows that it's not just the US; it's a worldwide phenomenon.
2: Yeah, and with the growth ambitions into China as well, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see that number in a year or two from now.
0: Absolutely. Let's see. We have an article. A big. There's another study. That has been done about the effects of airbnb and more specifically what did airbnb do to new york city and there's been studies about this before the complaints against airbnb are in two categories right there's when the guests misbehave and then secondly it's the effect that airbnb has on neighborhoods right they're saying like increasing rents they're saying houses are being taken off the residential market they're saying that the neighborhoods change you know, there's less coherence because of all the, the tourists that are, that are flocking to certain neighborhoods. There's been studies uh, done before, but now there's another one by Mr. David Wexmoot, if I don't know if I pronounced that right. But he's a professor of urban planning at McGill University. And of course, also, these studies are always financed by the hotel industry. So you always have to wonder how accurate they are if they're not biased. To summarize the article, they're saying that uh, rents have risen in New York by about percent. They're also saying that anywhere between zero and four percent of the houses have been taken off the residential market and are being used for Airbnbs. So zero to four percent. The other conclusion, I think there was one more conclusion. I kind of lost it now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no worries. As you mentioned, this is uh, David Waxsmith from McGill University in Montreal, or where I am. There are issues with the study. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, it was funded by the New York City Hotel Trades Council. So I'll let your listeners take a guess of what side of the debate they're on. The big issue for me is, you know, the study uses estimates of Airbnb activities from AirDNA. I absolutely love AirDNA. I use it. But there are issues with how AirDNA scrapes its uh, data. and, And Airbnb has been quick to point this out. It can actually overcount the number of nights per year people actually stay because it accounts for periods of time that hosts have blocked off as unavailable. So if you're renting out your primary residence, and you block off a month because you have someone else staying with you, or you don't want it rented out that time, AirDNA will count that as booked time. So using AirDNA data and this study uses 80 million data points from the entirety uh, 20 million population of the New York City metro area. So that's quite a big data scrape. If you have that little discrepancy, uh, that's going to make a big difference in, in your data. But just to point out, you know, the study found that 12% of Airbnb hosts in New York City are what they call commercial operators, which is they have multiple home listings. So again, is someone who's two properties, rents out their primary residence and then has a, one rental property, are they really a commercial operator? I, I would debate that. There's discrepancy in Airbnb's own data with that, where they say 92% of the hosts in New York City were sharing their primary residence. And 79% of hosts, they said, use that money to stay in their homes just because New York City is such a an expensive market and we have that we have that issue in Canada as well with Toronto where people have to rent out a basement suite or a room just to be able to afford the expensive rental market. So there's a bunch of issues with this study and it's unfortunate because we need this type of data, we need this type of discussion but you know when it's funded by the hotel industry automatically you're questioning the intention of the piece but one positive note is that the study did find that Airbnb, there's a direct correlation with community gentrification in Airbnb rentals. So at the very least, the study shows that the advent of Airbnb in New York City has gentrified a lot of neighborhoods of New York City, you know, secondary neighborhoods, you know, outside of the Brooklyn and Manhattan and contributed to those local businesses that are sort of the mom and pop shop businesses of those particular areas.
0: Yeah, if you look at the conclusions, then they don't seem that unrealistic to me. I think... uh you know, medium rent increase attributable to Airbnb growth over a three-year period. So the city looked at 2014 to 2017. I mean, a 1% increase in rents because of Airbnb doesn't seem out of the ordinary to me. I mean, you would expect rents to go up slightly because of Airbnb, at least, right? I think generally, like it's being overemphasized. You know, people are saying, oh, the rents are going up like crazy because of Airbnb. But it's, you know, 1% is not really that much, right? Over three years. And, and then no. also, you know, the amount of houses that are being, you know, taken off the market. I mean, in most neighborhoods, it's, it's very low. It's very, it's like less than a percent. There's only a couple neighborhoods where it's more like, uh, you know, between 2 and 4%. Combine that with the fact that they're also pointing out that that there are positive effects of Airbnb, it kind of makes me think that this guy, although it was funded by the hotel industry, it kind of makes me feel like he probably did do like a pretty good job of being objective.
2: Yeah, it's helpful to hear the actual conclusions of the report to, you know, he doesn't just slam Airbnb, which is positive. So it'd be interesting to see this study replicated in other markets you know, New York is sort of its own beast in terms of rentals, you know, sky high rents and property prices. You know, it's a world class city. So what's good for New York, what applies to New York is not necessarily the majority of Airbnb markets. So it'd be be interesting to see this study done, replicated across, you know, secondary US cities and European cities, just to see if the same conclusions hold water. And then to do a pre and post uh, regulation study as well, like in cities that are implementing these Airbnb restrictions, How has that contributed to the rental market? Because it will certainly have an effect, whether positive or negative.
0: Right. And to finalize the discussion of this topic, he does three recommendations in the conclusion of the study. First of all, he recommends the one host, one home policy, which is already being implemented. And secondly, and this is kind of a little bit surprising to me, and also kind of shows me that he's being, the study is quite objective. Uh, The second recommendation is to relax the restrictive multiple dwellings law and actually legalize short-term rentals for fewer than 30 days, at least for a certain amount of days per year. So he recommends you know, maybe 30 or 60 or 90 days, just like in Amsterdam, London, and Paris. Seems like a, a reasonable conclusion to me. So out of all the studies I've seen, I feel like this, this one, although it's been funded by the hotel industry, is actually a, a fairly good one, other than the question marks that you've raised in terms of the data, of course.
2: I think that the hotel industry is seeing the writing on the wall that, you know, short-term rentals are here to stay. It's just how we regulate them. And I think most cities have agreed to sort of primary residence sharing. So I think the hotel industry is resigned to the fact that this is here to stay. And, you know, we might as well learn to work with it as opposed to continue fighting it.
0: Absolutely. And it seems like a lot of cities are moving towards the limit on the amount of nights that you can do Airbnb. I just saw an article as well. That, uh, that's talking about Geneva and Switzerland, where they want to put the 60 days a year rental limit into place. So yeah, we'll see where this is going. But, you know, New York is, is, like you said, it's a big market. There's, there's always a lot of debate going on. There's multiple politicians, you know, suggesting different type of laws and stuff. So there's always a lot going on on the regulatory front.
1: Airbnb has changed the way people rent forever. But actually, getting paid is still a pain. That's where Payfully comes in. Payfully is a safe and secure way to get paid for your upcoming reservations within 24 hours of them being booked. Payfully deposits directly into your bank account, with funds typically available within 24 hours. Payfully works with all the major platforms: Airbnb, VRBO, Guesty, and others. They've helped thousands of hosts expand their business, cover unexpected expenses, and stabilize their income. Visit payfully.co for your first request free with code GPFYP. That's payfully.co, promo code GPFYP.
0: Okay, so we all know that Airbnb is probably not going to IPO this year, and You know, of course, there's a lot of employees, especially the employees that started at Airbnb in the first few years of the company's existence, who probably have a lot of stock or or options on stock. You know, for those people, it's really profitable when there's an IPO, because then you can sell the shares and the value of the shares go up a lot on, on an IPO, typically now that Airbnb isn't going to you, more and more of these employees are actually leaving Airbnb. And so this article in Bloomberg talks about a guy named Riley Newman. He's an executive who started his own venture capital firm called Wave Capital. And their plan is to kind of fund startups that are being started by ex-Airbnb employees. So the article talks about a VC fund wants to create an Airbnb mafia. <laughs> It's kind of a yeah.
2: headline. A bit of a sensational headline, but this is a pretty interesting article because it sort of touches on, as you mentioned, the IPO issue. That Brian Chesky has said that, yeah, you know, Airbnb is not going public in 2018. But you know, what the future holds is anyone's guess. But as we know, the you know, startup entrepreneurs are notoriously uh, restless. So we've had the quiet departure of quite a few of the original employees at Airbnb who are holding on to their uh, original equity stake and uh, you know Riley Newman was one of the first 10 employees at at Airbnb Wave Capital its mission is to fund former Airbnb employees who are doing other stuff i think it's great i was reading this article and thinking back to you know the early days of the early founders the network of founders from PayPal who left the company you know Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and, and those guys and founded their own thing so i think we'll see a, a similar wave of early Airbnb employees going out and doing pretty impressive things because uh, obviously they, they have a lot of experience and they're a part of something that changed the way people rent out their homes.
0: And two notable startups that have already been started by ex-Airbnb employees. Coinbase, the cryptocurrency exchange, was founded by Brian Armstrong, who worked for two years as a software engineer at Airbnb. And database company Meselsware was started by Florian Leibart, who also spent time at Airbnb. Now uh, with the start of wave Capital, we might see more of those in the future. Did you hear about the story where there's this guy in Nashville who listed his house for 22, a maximum of 22 guests? No. Okay. Well, it's kind of funny. This guy just put 10 beds in his living room or something, and then he just lists his house and, and put a maximum of 22 guests and the neighbors uh, were getting a little bit concerned seeing uh, groups of over 20 people walk into the house. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, uh, they complained and now he changed it and now it's listed for 12 guests. Just a funny little story in between. Let's see what else. Uh, Airbnb hired a African American woman, Cassidy Blackwell, to advance global policy goals. I think Airbnb has faced some criticism in the past over the fact that they weren't hiring a lot of women and they weren't hiring a lot of people from minority groups. And so I don't know if that played a role in, in this particular hire, but anyway. They've hired this woman. So we'll see if they keep doing it in the future. Oh, there's another story. Airbnb premium investors will pay 2 to 3% more for short-term rental properties. So if you have a home and you want to put it on the market and you can show that you've you've had an active Airbnb history, then apparently investors are, are willing to pay about 2 to 3% more for your house, which, which I kind of
2: feel is not that much. No, definitely not that much and i'm sure that'll increase in the future as we prove your revenue because i know at least on the the long-term rental side you can charge quite a bit more if you can you know prove that you have had renters in there for a certain amount of time and you're you know maintaining a certain level of cash flow providing airbnb receipts with your rental uh, for sale is likely to increase that value Now, maybe it's because in a lot of cities, we're just coming to terms with the regulations and the legality of it. So I think once that dust settles, we'll have a much better idea of of how you can sort of advertise your Airbnb income legitimately.
0: And GM is planning to start an Airbnb for cars. So there's already a couple car sharing platforms out there. There's Turo, there's Getaround, and potentially also Tesla is looking into a similar service. But now GM is planning to launch a uh, car sharing business. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's super interesting. I mean, I've used Turo and uh, I've heard of Get Around. I think it's a great model. You're never too late to the game. I think they're the first major car company to do this. Although I know, I think it was Ford who had partnered with Turo or Get Around, one or the other. The GM Maven platform has been around for a bit now. They're just extending it. So I never used it, but I believe you could rent out a GM vehicle from a dealership for a couple hours, like you would on Turo or Get Around. They're extending this to allow owners of GM vehicles to use Maven to rent out their vehicle to people in their in their community or. or Tourists or whatever. It's exactly the same as Turo if anyone's used that. So I, I think it's very interesting. And I think, you know, going forward, this type of model is only likely to gain more traction as, you know, car ownership is reducing. Car loans is quite a huge issue in the US, as you probably know, with car ownership on the decline and, and driverless cars in the rear view window, pun intended. I think, you know, these car sharing platforms are only going to become more and more utilized by people.
0: Now, it's interesting to see that uh, Turo's grown. Quite a bit. It's grown fivefold in recent years to car listings has tripled to 200,000. I guess there's 5 million users on the platform. But still, they raised 92 million in September and it's now valued at about 700 million. So uh, considerably smaller than Airbnb, of course. But still, 700 million, that's a pretty big valuation. Get Around raised 45 million last April, where Toyota Motors uh, invested in them. So it seems like the car sharing. Platforms are uh, are definitely uh, doing well. It's Still relatively small, but I remember when they first came about, a lot of people were very skeptical. They were saying like, people don't want other people to drive their cars. You know, so the, the car is a very precious belonging for a lot of people. It's kind of like a baby, and they don't want other people driving it. But uh, <laughs> but it seems like they're they're getting some momentum.
2: Well, it's the exact same arguments that people used in the early days of Airbnb. You know, no one wants to rent out their home to strangers. Why? Why? Would you <laughs> that?
0: Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, that's true. It takes a while before these type of things change, you know, before people start thinking differently and seeing their property and their belongings as kind of tied to their identity, but more as just something that you can use in order to either get from A to B or to uh, have a roof above your head and not be in the rain.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's an asset that you can leverage to earn some uh, supplemental income, and there's nothing wrong with that. And good on GM for getting ahead of the curve, uh, even though there's Turo out there. you know, I think Turo just raised last year almost $100 million in their Series D round, and they've acquired a couple other startups. So they're really, really solidifying their position as the uh, leader in this space. But competition is always good. And I think GM is, they're not just a startup, right? So they have the wherewithal to have the go at it. Maybe they'll extend it beyond GM vehicles in the future. So, this is a pretty interesting uh, development in the whole car sharing world.
0: Awesome. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. So, Brett, thank you for joining me. And uh, of course, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. And I hope to see you next time.
1: Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet, Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet